0: Thank you, Dr. Blazing. It is a tremendous joy to be here today. I'm so excited, uh, literally. And um, this is not metaphorical in any way. My wife is getting a root canal right now. And so I thought I, I thought to myself, I'm getting one as well. <laughs> it's just public. Uh, it is a joy to be here. I know some of you are disappointed because Dr. Patterson normally comes out and um, does a presentation for us. but. I couldn't I tried to get out of it I could not get out of it he asked me to do it you know when he asked you to do something it's like the Pope speaking ex cathedra it's, <laughs> you just can't get out of it and um, so I reluctantly agreed to come out and um, I thought that I might come out and watch this I thought I might come out and imitate dr. Patterson imitating me as I imitated a biblical character from the other side, but I thought some of your heads literally might explode if I did that, and so I changed my mind. I'm not going to do that. Um, it, you know, I, I thought, well, I'll just come out as myself, and as Dr. Um, Blazing implied, I am a character in and of myself anyway, right? So um, I, I thought, and I thought about having a big spotlight. And turning down the lights and I could come out and do this big production But I have I, preached with the spotlight on before and frankly, it's like speaking to a train. You just <laughs> you, you can't see anything And I'm so glad that the lights are on and I can see each and every one of you I especially am thankful for the students. I see some of the students that I've had in class and even my colleagues Some of my colleagues are here today. Many of you were away at ETS uh, this uh, you know, last month when I preached and you missed a powerful display of preaching and exposition. And so now you're here for this, right? And so I'm so glad you guys are here. I look out and I see Tommy Kiker here. I so missed you when I preached, Dr. Kiker. Everybody knows he's, he's the amen corner of Southwestern Seminary. And here's the reason I'm glad that he's here today, because I could say something totally heretical and still get an amen from Dr. Kiker. And so. So glad you're here, brother. Love your excitement. There is a Baptist, there's a baptist and there's a Pentecostal, and then there's Kikercostal. costal And um, so, so glad to see you. And of course, Matt Queen is sitting over there. My dear brother in evangelism, love Matt Queen. He's on fire for the Lord. I remember we were going out witnessing and, and we just, we had a lot, of, uh, a lot of problems that day. No one was getting saved. And I could tell it was bothering Matt Queen. He needed a decision. And he said, My brother, watch this. I'll just show you. I'll show you uh, another technique. We walked up to a lady and he dropped something on the ground. He said, Man, would you mind grabbing that? Would you pray with me? (laughs) And so he got his profession of faith. He did. He did. One time I was watching Matt Queen preach. You ever heard the preacher? They they tell you to close your eyes, and and then, you know, I see that hand right there. I see that hand right there. And look, I know you're not supposed to do this but everybody's eyes was supposed to be closed. I opened up one of my eyes, and I saw what Matt was doing. Nobody was lifting up his hands, their hands, and uh, Matt was saying, I see that hand over there. <laughs> and I see that hand over there. <laughs> and then he said, I even see that hand in the balcony. <laughs> and so he gets his decisions, and i uh, so glad to have him on faculty with us today. And, and then, of course, Barry McCarty right down front, our newest colleague in the preaching department the preaching faculty it is a joy um, to have you now listen i know brother barry i know that you are one of dr patterson's favorites no doubt about it you are his golden child uh, in fact we nicknamed dr mccarty little herm as in little hermes and uh and so um here's the reason why because when he gets up to preach and oh by the way this is my fifth time to preach in chapel dr patterson has been here for none of them. Now, Dr. Blazing, I wanna believe that he trusts me with the pulpit and the word of God and that he doesn't have to be here, but here's Barry McCarty. He gets up to preach his very first time in chapel and and he starts off with this, a beer commercial. (laughs) Now, listen, you know you're one of his favorites because if I had started out with a beer commercial, I would no longer be employed here. And so uh, you definitely have some Moxie, my brother, and you're a great orator. Uh, by the way, I don't always contradict myself, but when I do, I don't. <laughs> I don't always preach in chapel, but when I do, it's topical, no. <laughs> and, and, and listen, besides this, everybody knows that's not the most interme- interesting man in the world. Everybody knows that, especially here at Southwestern. This is the most interesting man in the world. I mean, look at that. Can you imagine the commercial for that? Dr. Patterson, the most interesting man in the world. He once kicked a horse in the chin. Its descendants are now, are now known today as giraffes. Dr. Patterson, the most interesting man in the world. He's the only man that can blow bubbles with beef jerky. (laughs) Dr. Patterson, the most interesting man in the world. There is no control on Dr. Patterson's computer because Dr. Patterson is always in control. (laughs) Dr. Patterson, the most interesting man in the world. He once ate an entire bottle of sleeping pills. They made him blink. (laughs) (laughs) I, I love my president. I love his flair. I love his moxie. I love everything about him. Uh, I love his winsome attitude and, and, um, and, and occasionally he can preach a little bit, but love, love, love that guy. I also see Dr. Allen down here, always glad to have my dean in the audience, my boss, my mentor, my friend. Uh, he once began a sermon by saying, when I snap my finger, hey, would you guys lighten up a little bit? Some of you look like you've been baptized in pickle juice, all right? <laughs> I'm going to be unemployed tomorrow. Let's go ahead and have some fun, all right? Okay. In fact, I might be unemployed after this sermon, uh, this afternoon, but all right. So one time Dr. Allen began a, began a sermon by saying, when I snap my fingers, I'm gonna take you back to Solomon's Court. You guys, some of you might remember that from years ago. Yes, you should have graduated by now, but he did start a sermon that. Are you ready for this? When I snap my fingers, I'm gonna take you back to Dr. Allen Circa 1975. You want to see a picture of Dr. Allen in 1975? Ready? I can't snap and and, and change it at the same time. Ready? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. There he is. There's Dr. Allen, 1975. Love the suit, Dr. Allen. By the way, I stretched that picture to make you look taller. Very nice suit two, look even the even the shoes, the plaid, the big diamond you know what 's the matter with the tie i 'm wearing can't you tell that your tie's too wide no it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, got the diamonds and the plaid and the two tone shoes is that the is that the front of G q magazine? I mean you are debonair, my friend debonair, and I can guarantee you listen, I can guarantee you that is a King James Version, Schofield Bible. I, I, I'll put money on that. I mean, that has not just conservative written all over it. He's definitely a fundamentalist. There's, there's no doubt about that. So it's good to see you. By the way, um, I've also got a picture of Dr. Allen playing basketball in, a, in high school. Now, listen, I'm, I'm, I, I, I want to give you a warning right now. Um, I'm going to give you a warning. You're going to have to turn away if, if skin offends you. Okay? There's a little... Immodesty in this picture here. He's, he's wearing uh, a basketball jersey and, and, sh- and shorts. So, ladies, if you must turn away, lest you lust or something like that, be just, I'm just preparing. I'm warning you right now. But here's Dr. Allen playing basketball in high school. <laughs> and uh, as you guys know, he, um, they, they called him Woofy when he was in high school. Am I right about that, Dr. Allen? The, the Wolf Man, that's what they called him. And um, Uh, That's because he was like Esau, he he had a lot of hair. But anyway, um, I love my colleagues and I love my bosses. It's always a a joy to have an opportunity to preach in such a great place like being here at Southwestern Seminary and um, I love you too. Now there are a lot more people that I could offend but I'll go ahead and refrain. I've already um, made a lot of errors today. I love it down here in Texas. Do we have any people that are native Texans here? Dr. Blazing, I know you are, I know you are. He, he, he mentioned the fact that I was from across the Red River. And I have to admit that I've been down here nine years now and um, I'm starting to get used to it a little bit, but it's, it's tough. It's tough for an Okie to come down here to Texas. Um, I remember when I drove across the Red River there on I-35 coming south and I saw this big sign. I drove into Texas. The first sign I saw, Brother Barry, was this big sign that said, don't mess with Texas. And I said to myself, that's just like a Texan. The moment I get here, he threatens me. <laughs> you know? And uh, saying, you know, that's, that's sort of the pervading attitude. I think that's where Dr. Patterson gets a lot of his um, um, <laughs> Texas ways from, uh, from this area. But I've preached here a lot. I've been uh, introduced not only to the people, but I've also traveled quite a bit across the state. You ever been over in West Texas over there where it's real flat? And I mean, it is so flat out there. In fact, I talked to a guy in the church one time that said he watched his dog run away for three days. (laughs) (laughs) Just flat out there. Um, But nevertheless, even as an Okie, I will admit that three things, three great things come from Texas. I, I hate to admit this, but three great things come from Texas. George Stray, Dr. Patterson, and because I'm an Okie, and this is the best one, I-35 North, baby, I-35 <laughs> North, right up into Norman there, boomer sooner. Uh, no, really, um, God has had me on a journey, and, and, and frankly, I'm here today not so much to entertain you, but to share a little bit of the journey uh, in my life and how I got here. It is Christmas season, and I, wear, and I will share with you a little bit of a um, Christmas uh, testimony in just a moment. I want to take you back. I, in fact, I thought about bringing someone over from the other side, more specifically, the pre-converted Vern Charette. I would have to go back pre-1990 to do that. And But I thought, you know, if I brought him up, you know, first of all, I read the Bible where it says we're not supposed to do that kind of thing, you know. Uh, i not supposed to be in the necromancy and things like that. And so I thought, first of all, I'm sinning against my Lord, <clears throat> Dr. Patterson. Number two, um, I thought, if I bring back the old Vern Charette, I couldn't guarantee the fact that he would not use profanity. And so I'm only going to speak about him in the third person. Is that okay? And so I, I, I brought this letterman's jacket uh, from um, the late 80s. This is the letterman's jacket that, that he wore when he he was in high school. I'm I'm going to put it on. I'm not really, quite honestly, I'm not sure if it still fits. I I used to have a a waist like a dirt dauber. Now I've got a waist like a bumblebee, all right? uh, And so we'll... uh... It's a little bit bit snug. (laughs) Snug in the arms, you know, I've gotten a lot bigger. Anyway. Uh, this is the uh, letterman's jacket. I, by the way, I lettered in football. Um, by the way, I can also tell you just, you know, I was a Tulsa Central Brave, and uh, anybody that's from or knows Oklahoma knows there's Tulsa, and then there's West Tulsa. <laughs> that's, it's not the affluent side of town. And so our high school was over there in Northwest Tulsa, Oklahoma. We were made up mainly of African Americans and, um, and, and people like me. I'm, I'm American Indian. We had Hispanics. And um, uh, some Caucasians, um, but uh, listen, I can I can tell you right now why we lost almost every football game we played. Uh, we are the Tulsa Central Braves. Would you look at our mascot? <laughs> Does that look like a braid to you? I mean, you know, that's not a braid. that's smiling Sam. You know, he. Yeah, I'd like to you know hang out with that guy, but but um, you yeah, know he's not going to strike fear into anybody's heart, and so. Um, nevertheless I grew up playing sports and um, let me take this off now I can barely breathe okay (laughs) I grew up playing sports and um, and essentially as a teenager uh, partying just partying um, my father was an alcoholic Um, In fact, some of you have fond Christmas memories of when you grew up, and um, uh, one of my fondest Christmas memory is um, when I was in the fourth grade, and my father was intoxicated at 2 a.m. on Christmas Eve, and um, I was with him in the living room, and and by the way, he wasn't just intoxicated. My my dad got drunk. (laughs) There's a difference. Uh, Nevertheless, uh, he said, hey, it's close enough to Christmas. You want to open up your Christmas presents? And uh, I opened up my Christmas presents about 2.30 in the morning. And I remember how disappointed I was. And by the way, nobody else was there, just me and my dad. I remember how disappointed I was when I woke up on Christmas Day with nothing to open. And uh, I've got memories like that about Christmas. Now, now listen, don't misunderstand me. I've, you know, I, I, I love my dad, and um, he was brought up on a reservation and, and, um, you know, Leech Lake Reservation and and grew up on Pine Ridge Reservation. He, Listen, if you've ever been to a reservation, um, a native reservation, you're stepping into a a third world country. And so I can understand it. I can understand the source of his alcoholism. I can understand some of the things I saw that I shouldn't have growing up. And um, frankly, I told my mom, even when I was a kid, that um, I wouldn't drink. Even when I was a little kid, my mom said, well, why, why won't you drink? And I said, well, I don't want to be like my dad. Uh, to, give, to, to give you an idea of how bad things were, when I was wearing this Letterman's jacket, I was living with my sister. Again we were in the west side of Tulsa, and um, my sister was also struggling with drugs and alcohol. My family has been tremendously affected by, oh, by the way, can I just preach a little bit and say, I hate alcohol. I hate it. I hate it. And if you've ever grown up where I've grown up and seen the things I've, I've seen, you would hate it as well. This is something my sister wrote, and by the way, I don't always share this. This is very personal. But this is something that my, my older sister, my big sister wrote on December 3rd of 1995. She was 34 years of age when she wrote this. She was in a a drug and alcohol rehabilitation center. And by the way, I I lived with her. And so that gives you the idea of some of the things that I was was into as well. And um, she was finding some healing and so she wrote this introspective letter and I wanna read it to you. She said goodbye. I'm writing this to say goodbye to you. At first you were fun, all of the excitement and adventure that being sober didn't give me. In turn, you stole my childhood. You took me down a long road. I was first introduced around the age of 12. You were called acid pot beer common drugs. Then you showed me the needle, and using you became a vicious circle, being addicted to one form of you or the other. Speed, inhalants, valium, and finally, cocaine and alcohol but I still didn't know how powerful you were. After broken marriages and lots of pain, I started to realize just how evil you are. You lie still and murder. I'm not sure if she knew this at the time, but she was literally quoting John 10.10. I can't say I won't miss you. You will probably, probably be on my mind until the day that I die. I've got to give up a lot of my friends because you will be around them I'll pray the rest of my life that they will see you the way I have come to see you, period. That's a really good insight into a person that is finding some healing. She was 34 years years of age when she wrote that. And I preached her funeral before she turned 40. I've stood behind the casket of my father that died prematurely because of alcohol. I've stood behind the casket of my 39-year-old sister and preached who died prematurely because of drugs and alcohol. I, listen, I, you know, I know what it is to struggle. I know what it is to grow up in that. As a teenager, I said I would never drink, and you know my testimony, you know exactly where I'm going, even though I made promises like that. Outside of being born again, outside of being made a new creation in Christ, there's no way that I can refuse the uh, environment that I was growing up in. And uh, so when I got into high school, this young man right here was not just an athlete. He, was a, he, he, he partied all the time every single weekend after football games and Saturday night. And then, my, listen, I can tell you, my junior year, there was one weekend in high school, one weekend that I was not intoxicated or high. And everything that comes along with that debased lifestyle but as bad as things were and by the way I I, I've got to give you the clip notes here I was a high school dropout I became a high school dropout I was in trouble with the law at the time and I was living an immoral life and yet as bad as things were God had a plan for my life people could look and say you know he's gonna end up just like his dad and by the way I was headed for one of three places and I truly believe this I was going to be, end up in a mental institution I was going to end up in lockdown somewhere or I, or I was going to end up in a cemetery and many of my friends and family members ended up in one of those three places and I was just a West Sider like the rest of them living that crazy life and I was headed in that same direction as a teenager but God's grace is greater <laughs> as bad as things look god will get his way by his grace and through the providence of god he introduced me to this man this picture was taken uh uh in september of 2011. that's that's jesse Joyner. (laughs) Uh, somebody said he's black (laughs) yeah 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 he's black and yeah i'm white there and and, um (laughs) that's true and listen, the reason I show you that, and the reason I point that out is because Jesse Joyner was so different than I am. He is so different than I am. In fact, when I met him there in Tulsa, Oklahoma, I was a high school dropout, I was in trouble with the law, I was living an immoral life. There's Jesse Joyner, he, I'm from the rough side of town, He's, he lives on the nice side of town. He was late 30s, early 40s at the time, I was 18 years of age, I thought he was a dinosaur, you know, we were different ages. Uh, different I mean everything about him and and me everything about me was different and yet for the first time in my life I had a man we met on the job open up his mouth and share the gospel with me it's all providential all providential seemed like chance and circumstance but no God had a wonderful plan and here he is for the first time in my life I'm looking at guy I remember the first time I met Jesse Joyner I told him an off-color joke and he didn't laugh and I said to myself there's something up with this guy something's going on with there's something different about him it wasn't an hour later later we're standing on a slab of cement making some deliveries and he opens up his mouth and by the way dr. Queen you're gonna love this the man that led me to the Lord he did everything wrong He did it. I mean, listen, he had not been to an evangelism explosion meeting of any kind. He had no formal training. He was just a man that was full of the Holy Spirit and just shared what God had, had done in his life and in his heart. And, and and literally, if you walked and breathed, he'd witness to you. I love that about Jesse Joyner. And, you know, he just opened up his mouth and began to share the gospel with me. And I stood there. Uh, and my mouth was just... Gaping open, I've never heard anything like this. And oh, by the way, I'd been to churches. Uh, I tell people that I'd been baptized so many times the crawdads knew my first name. You know, listen, I'd been to churches growing up, and I'd had religious experiences and that that kind of thing. Uh, But there was something different about this witness. And Jesse Joyner, by the way, our boss drove up after an hour. We got in trouble for uh, uh, you know not getting back to the warehouse and this and that jesse joined said hey hey you want to come to church sunday listen i can honestly tell you for the first time in my life at the age of 18 i went to church without an ulterior motive i didn't go to church because they were going to play basketball i didn't go to church because they were going to camp i didn't go to church because they were going to you know feed pizza isn't it sad the only way we can get kids to come to church nowadays is to hang a weenie out the window (laughs) you know they weren't having a weekend, you know, a hot dog feast or anything like that. I went to church because God was drawing me, and I heard a witness. And um, you, you, you saw Jesse. I mean, listen. I showed up at a little storefront church outside, outside of the fairgrounds in Tulsa, Oklahoma, midtown. And this wasn't just a Baptist church. This was, and not only a black church, this was a Pentecostal church. And uh, you know that, they don't have church the same way you and I have church they have church I mean they, they, you know I mean that we would have services until 3 in the afternoon I showed up here and um, Jesse joined. the first time I met him he was wearing this blue um, sweatshirt with cut off sleeves you know we were we were common laborers back then and that kind of thing and uh, but when I showed up at church Jesse had on a white suit he kind of looked like dr. Allen on steroids <laughs> he had on a white suit two-toned shoes, black and white polka, you know, black folks, they dress when they go to church. And He had on a black and white polka dot attire, You ready for this? It matched his wife's hat. <laughs> That's the kind of church I was in. And by the way, a little storefront church, uh, this place is a palace compared to that church that I was in. We were on little metal um, folding chairs and there was a little um, pulpit up front. And long story short, I didn't know Jesse Joyner was the pastor, but he got up to preach. And I'm sitting out there with one of my best friends. We had just been intoxicated um, the weekend before. I'm sitting out there. I I was already becoming a soul winner, and I didn't even know it. I I had one of my best friends out there sitting next to me, you know, all black church. It it wasn't hard for the congregation to recognize, you know, we've got some visitors here today. And you know, of course, I I I I dressed a lot different. I had my earrings in and everything. And uh, and uh, you know, at the end of the sermon, you know, you know how we are as Baptists—we're dignified about giving an invitation. You know, we're gonna have preachers stand up front and, "Would you come today?" and bow your head and all that stuff. Listen, when Jesse Joyner finished preaching, I love what he did. He um he left the pulpit during what you and I call invitation time, and he came and he got right in my face. (laughs) Stood right in front of, and. I'll never forget what he said. He said, do you want to be saved? <sighs> Sweet words. It was like a man finding water in a desert. Listen, listen. Hey, let me tell you, egg.